Happy Sabbath. Uh, we're, we're a bit few this Sabbath, but that's all right. Um, we'll still hear the message and see how the Holy Spirit leads. A book recently came out called Almost Home, A Call to Reformation and Revival by Ted Wilson, our General Conference President. In it, he identifies the spiritual essentials for those who will live through the end times and witness Jesus' return. Mark Finley comments to the book, Each chapter will speak to your mind and heart. Ted speaks earnestly to each church member, appealing to all of us to saturate our minds with the word of God. He reminds us of Ellen White's warning that none but those who have fortified the minds with the truths of the Bible will stand through the last great conflict. So I hope our memorizing challenge was either the beginning of the process in saturation or it just added to your saturation. A few months ago, as I read through the Great Controversy, I was inspired to to reiterate how important the Bible is and how even more important it is to have it engraved in our minds and our hearts. So I'll speak for a few minutes and then the time goes out to all of you. <clears throat> Concerning the two witnesses from Revelation 11:4, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. The two witnesses represent the, the scripture of the Old and New Testament. Both are important testimonies to the origin and the everlasting law of God. Both are witnesses also to the plan of salvation. The types, sacrifices, and prophecies of the Old Testament point forward to a Savior to come. The gospel and epistles of the New Testament tell of a Savior who has come in the exact manner foretold by type and prophecy. So don't let anyone tell you that the Old Testament is done away with or that it doesn't matter. Jesus himself quoted from the Old Testament. When you read the Great Controversy, you will learn over and over how the papal power sought to hide from the people the word of truth and set before them false witnesses to contradict its testimony. When the Bible was outlawed by religious and secular authority, when its testimony was perverted, and every effort made that men and demons could invent to turn the minds of people from it, when those who dared, claim, dared proclaim its sacred truths were hunted, betrayed, tortured, buried in dungeon cells, martyred for their faith, or compelled to flee the, to the mountains and to the den and to the caves. That's when the faithful witnesses prophesied in sackcloth. In the darkest times, there were faithful men who loved God's word and were jealous for his honor. I won't repeat the horrific details here, but you can read about it in the chapter in, uh, titled Terror and Retribution in France. That's talking about the um, Bartholomew Massacre. And 70,000 people perished in two months' time because they stood by the word of God. So do we love God's word so much today that we're going to stand for it, knowing that we will be killed? In the chapter titled, Seeking Freedom in a New World, Ellen White says this, The Bible was held as the foundation of faith, the source of wisdom, and the charter of liberty. Its principles were diligently taught in the home, in the school, and in church, and its fruits were manifest in thrift, intelligence, purity, and temperance. Today, we see the Bible being mocked or made light of 
Um, things changed, words changed in the Bible. Basically taking Jesus out of the picture and replacing him with many other kinds of people or things. Man's word takes more authority as far as what is truth and how sad that has become. From the chapter, New Light in the New World, William Miller said this, The scripture became my delight, and in Jesus I found a friend. The Savior became to me the chiefest of among 10,000, and the scriptures which before were dark and contradictory now became the lamp to my feet and light to my path. My mind became settled and satisfied. I found the Lord God to be a rock in the midst of the ocean of life. The Bible now became my chief study, and I can truly say I searched it with great delight. I found the half was never told me. I wondered why I had not seen its beauty and glory before and marveled that I had ever rejected it. I found everything revealed that my heart could desire and a remedy for every disease of the soul. I lost all taste for other reading and applied my heart to get wisdom from God. Is the Bible our delight? Do we cherish it? Do we know what it says? Or is it just another book that sits on the shelf from day to day? Ellen White says, copies of the Bible were rare. We don't have that problem. We probably each have about four or five different translations in our own homes. Therefore, its precious words were committed to memory, so we don't really have an excuse not to do that either. Many were able to repeat large portions of both the Old and New Testaments. So our challenge wasn't to memorize large portions of the Bible, but probably the 13 verses that we were given maybe seem that way sometimes. So we can take the time now and I have Bill um, and maybe another person to um, go around with microphones. And I would like to hear what you had memorized from last quarter. Doesn't have to be all the scriptures, but if you memorized one or more, and what that has meant to your life and what that has um, taken meaning for you. And if you don't want to be first, I can be first. So we'll see if there's any volunteer first. can raise your hand and they'll come to you. I'm going to try to remember this. Um, see if you can catch it. I have two scriptures actually that I tried to, well I tried to put them all in my memory, I don't think I'll be able to, but two of them that really struck home for me. Um, they have a few things in common. One of them is that they're both found in Psalm 119. Um, but there's, there's another one, there's another thing in common, one word in both scriptures, and see if you can catch it. Um, the first scripture is Psalm 119, 154. Plead my cause, redeem me, and revive me according to your word. And the other one is Psalm 119, verse 159, that says, Consider how I love your precepts. 
Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. So what was the one word that they both had in common? Revive. Um, and I, I've said this before, and I'll probably keep saying it. Um, those of you who miss out on Sabbath school, you really miss out a lot. Um, this last quarter was on revival and reformation. And uh, something it said in there that, um, that kind of brings out the point for all of us. It isn't just in this church. I think it's in all churches, but it's, it's pretty much a result of sin. It says, in every generation, God's Spirit strives to bring revival into the hearts of his people. Revival is an ongoing daily experience. Each of us should identify with an old hymn that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Um, from come thou fount of every blessing, deep within, we know these words are true. Our hearts are indeed prone to wander. Our minds drift from the eternal to the mundane. Our thoughts turn so easily from the heavenly to the earthly. Too often we seem to be in bondage to, deep, to deeply entrenched habits. At times, our own attitudes and reactions baffle us. That's because our natures are fallen as a result of sin. Our natural tendency is, so, is to turn from God's ways to our own. So I just wanted to wanted for all of us to just keep that in mind. I was talking to Jody Buchholz after she had our Sabbath school. And uh, we were just talking how easy it is to get overwhelmed with the, the cares and everything of this world that pretty soon we just feel so weak and it's so much easier than to, to be tempted to do the things we know aren't right. And the only remedy for that is to get back into the word and get back into praying and spending regular time with God. So that's all I had to say for now. Thank you. Anybody else? It's okay if you just know part of it. Hi, I'm Bob. Oh. Bob. Bob. Anyway, uh, okay, uh, Bob. They had a. Okay, I'm not used to this here. <clears throat> I have a verse here. I have a verse here that uh, I feel is real important. Uh, it's maybe been, been quite some time when we actually had the verse in, in our, some of our studies. Anyway, it's in Psalms, it's Psalms 119, 9, 9, 10, and 11. And uh, so, uh, how can a young man keep his ways pure by living according to your word? Thy word have I hidden in mine heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, I found this, verse or these verses to be very important because uh, when I first come to, to know the Lord, I would say this is well over 30, well over 30 years ago, uh, those verses, I can remember going to work in the morning and 
and uh, usually we start at seven o'clock in the morning, and uh, so I would be here at six o'clock in the morning. I'd be in a car driving to work, and I'm memorizing these verses. And uh, so these verses were verses that uh, uh, helped me grow in my spiritual life and everything. And I'm just so thankful for them, even to this day, to realize the importance of memorizing scripture. Mm -hmm. I encourage everyone here, even if it's hard and you know hard to memorize the verses, and uh, they say, "Well, I don't remember that kind of thing." I felt that same way way back there, but when you come, when you personally come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you come to a point in your life where you begin to realize that uh, these things are important. So when they're, when they're important in your life and they change your life, you just automatically, you're going to find a way to do it. Amen. And uh, I was totally amazed that here, what I, what I was really doing, I, uh, <clears throat> I had a card and I wrote, uh, wrote these verses on that card and then I drove to work memorizing them. And uh, it was only... But once I began to realize, within a matter of a short time, I was—I knew them. And it's just a matter of repeating them over and over and over, and just really making a part of your life. And then through the day, I know I realized, like even myself, in construction or thing at different times, some guys I would. Well, I happened to be the foreman on the job, and uh, so they just. Uh, I would kind of share things with some of the guys about the word and everything, and they'd all kind of look at me like, well, you're some kind of a nut or something. <laughs> they really did. But, uh, you know, here, 10, 15 years after all this had happened and everything, these same people were coming and sharing, sharing with me, say, Bob, I'm so glad that you shared that then because now, now he is doing the same thing. And so I praise the Lord just even for one or two people that accepted the Lord at that point. And uh, so it's important that we hide God's word in our hearts. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bob. Glenn? Wanda, I have to apologize. I, I don't, I'm not too good at memorizing things. I, I really, really try. But, um, and you can ask any of my former history teachers about that. But um, I, what I am, what I can do is I can get at the concept of things, and one of the things was that really impressed me was this past week. What is a sanctuary to me? Um, how, what do I envision the sanctuary to be like? And <clears throat> it's because I am kind of uh, I don't know scattered about how I study. I ran across Psalm 73, uh, Asaph, and I read that, and Asaph was murmuring that he's not getting treated fairly, that people who are against, against the will of God, who, uh, who, who don't follow their word, they receive all these rewards right now. You know, and, and that, that really spoke to me because I think that 
how many times I've whined because things weren't fair. And I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that does that, but... No. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that Psalm 73 really spoke to me because things don't have to be fair. Um, we're, not, we're not here to make, make sure that people are fair to us. What we are here for is to make sure that, that we do what we can to spread God's word, to act like Jesus would want us to act, and to, and to carry on the, the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. And when, when time has come, when judgment has passed, things will be fair. Because Lord is, the Lord is, among many other things, he is just and fair. And we, I, I believe, as, as some scripture I've read, I think will attest, that we will we will get our rewards. The the more we the more that we treat each other kindly, the more that we treat others kindly, even those who who reap rewards that that we would have deserved. We treat them kindly. We will get our rewards. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else? Phyllis? I think this memory verse was from this past quarter, Um, but if I'm mistaken, I apologize. It's okay. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice uh, and open the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Revelation 3.20. Right. That's it. Anybody else? Judy. Well, I haven't been memorizing verses very much, but I have a little bit, and I want to do it more. You've inspired me. Thank you. (laughs) I really am. I'm going to do it more. But this last week, I have been studying heaven. I mean, through the Bible and through Ellen White's writings, it has just inspired me so much. It's just so much to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and the holy city. We need to keep our eyes on the prize. No matter what we have to go through on this earth, it's going to be worth it all. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to quote a verse I learned some time ago. It's 1 Peter 4, 12, and 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye shall be glad with exceeding joy. And we'll all see Jesus together. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else? No other volunteers? 
Okay, I guess our deacons can sit down. Thank you for doing that. The memory text that I chose came from Lesson 7 of last quarter, and it was titled, Unity, the Bond of Revival. And the memory text from that was from Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. And it goes like this. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all long-suffering, or with all lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the spirit, the unity of the spirit, and the bond of peace. And I also had the privilege of leading out in that lesson in the backroom class. So the first thing that we did was to break down the, the scripture. And that really helps you, too, to, to memorize it, because when you break it down, if there's words that you don't know or things that you want to understand um, better, then you get the whole meaning of the text. So the first word we actually looked at was beseech, because I thought, what does that really mean, beseech? Um, and, you know, why did Paul have it in there? Because it is of great importance, that word beseech. Um, and he felt that that's what the people needed, which is what we all need. He was, the word beseech means to plead with. So whenever you see the word beseech, think of plead with. He was pleading with the people to, to be aware of these things for unity. The next word that we looked at, or part, was uh, to have a walk worthy of the calling. So what does it mean to be worthy? This is not another light word. Worthy means to have a commendable excellence, usefulness, importance, excellence of character, effective virtue, moral excellence, temperance, fortitude, faith, hope, and charity. Then we asked, what is our calling as Seventh-day Adventist Christians? And you would probably say, to spread the gospel. There was a comment on Tuesday's lesson, Tuesday in that lesson, and it said, the church cannot reach the community with the gospel until it is united, but it will never be united until it is consumed with preaching the gospel. So you really have to think about that. It drew me to Hebrews 10.25, which says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. And I think a lot of times when we look at the word assembling, we think of our physical selves coming together uh, for worship or other fellowship times. But also think of it in the spiritual sense, coming together in the unity of the spirit, that means working together, growing together, learning, desiring more of God and more of his word. We looked at long-suffering and bearing. And we just, <laughs> when those words came up, we just kind of looked at each other. And we said, hmm, are we always long-suffering and bearing? And I have to say, I'm not always long-suffering and bearing. But... Here it is. The Lord's beseeching me. He's pleading with me to be lowly and gentle, long-suffering and bearing if I want to be a part of the unity of this church. 
The last word we looked at was endeavoring. This means a determined effort. So Satan's going to do his best to keep, keep each of us in the world of envy and jealousy, jostling for supremacy, gossiping, and the list can go on. But we must open our hearts to the Holy Spirit to come in and change us. If the disciples laid aside their personal ambitions and surrendered their differences, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, shouldn't we also do the same? In closing from the words of an early reformer concerning the Christian church, the Bible is an anvil that has worn out many hammers. From Isaiah 54, 17, it says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. So here is the poem by John Clifford. It's called The Anvil of God's Word. Last eve I paused beside a blacksmith door and heard the anvil ring the vesper chime. Then looking in, I saw upon the floor old hammers worn with beating years of time. How many anvils have you had, said I, to wear out and bear, batter all those hammers so? Just one, said he, and with twinkling eye. The anvil wears the hammers out, you know. And so I thought, the anvil of God's word. For ages skeptic blows have beat upon, yet though the noise of falling blows was heard, the anvil is unchanged, the hammer's gone. Lord, we thank and praise you for the time and encouragement you gave each of us to memorize some of your word, and for the great blessings we receive from these scriptures about revival and reformation. May we use what we have engraved in our minds and in our hearts to share with others until you come again. In Jesus' name, amen.